The Eternal Entrepreneur gives you the stories and strategies to gain freedom as a Christian business leader. You'll hear from real entrepreneurs who have learned how to partner with God, from making millions to filing bankruptcy. These are honest stories to help you hear God's voice and build a lasting legacy through business. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for episode 11, the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Pierce Brantley and along with my co-host, Joe Newton, we cannot be more excited to share with you our conversation today. Today is actually a special episode for Joe and myself because we're going to talk about the subject of calling, specifically what it is, where it comes from, and how to get one. We hope that you enjoy this conversation. Before we jump into the interview today, we want to ask if you'd help us out by leaving us a five-star review and sharing the podcast with a friend. And also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of my book, Calling, How to Partner with God in Any Business with Any Boss at Any Place in Life, and click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Now, on to the interview. Here's Brantley. Welcome to the Eternal Entrepreneur. Joe, it's so good to see you again, my friend. So over the last couple of episodes, people have heard you talk a little bit about calling, and they've probably heard the intro that you wrote a book called Calling. So we wanted to jump in and dig a little bit deeper. Can you unpack that for us? What is calling? Well, imagine for a moment that you felt fulfilled in your work that you felt like every day that you woke up, you were headed the right direction, that your ship was pointed toward the North Star that you had been looking for, and that everything in your life, in terms of what you put your mind and your hands and your intentions to, was headed in a direction that was in lockstep with your relationship with God. That's what a calling is. And most of us spend most of our life kind of feeling around in the dark to find work that we enjoy in place of finding a calling. So a calling is something that is actually coming from a position, a place, an identity of relationship with God. When we think about our work, which is often how the world defines calling, is really interesting, a really good work. You're always, your relationship is always based off of earning. So I'm earning the title. I'm earning income. I'm earning my position as a provider, woman or man, doesn't matter. My relationship is based off of some kind of continual progress. Even if you enjoy it, there's something underneath, there's an undercurrent of of lack of fulfillment there. Calling is the opposite. Because of the fact that I'm in the vine, because of the fact that I'm in Christ, good things come because of an outcome of my relationship with the Father. So calling is in Christ, it is for relationship, and finally, it is unto good works. So it's multifaceted, and uh, it's one of the best things that you can do in your life is to kind of come at peace at what it is and begin to live from it. I'm curious, as I hear you talk about that, how does calling differ from your identity in Christ? Yeah. So my identity in Christ is that I'm a daughter and that I'm a son of the King, right? That is my position. I'm adopted. I'm grafted, as uh, the Bible likes to say in many ways, into kind of the tree. Calling 
is more than one thing. It's, it's a, it's a tug and it's a pull. So I would never necessarily just identify with my calling because then it comes something that I own. Calling is much more like a fruit. It's the outpouring of being in relationship with God. So it's not relationship with God, but it's the evidence of relationship with God. Okay. So you're saying it's more of the fruit of who you are in your relationship with God and less something that you specifically do. That's right. Yeah. The world's approach to calling is do the right thing, spend your whole life finding that right thing. And then once you do it, now I really feel like I'm, I'm doing what I'm called to do. And that's a really, that's really scary language because it can actually be selfish. You can do exactly what you believe you're called to do, meaning something you enjoy it or you're passionate about it. And it in some way leaves out part of what's most important, which is your relationship with God. So if you think about people who live from a position of calling, which ultimately is something to do with seeing the kingdom come to fruition, then that's only coming because of something that's going on in their lives in the secret place from intimacy, from knowing God and knowing what God would have you do. Can you give some examples of how people can either see or maybe from your own life, how you've seen calling manifest? Like what are some practical ways that you can kind of see calling in your life? Yeah. So to do that, we're going to have to have a grid for what for biblical calling looks like. Yeah. So I'll jump into a couple of stories from my own life where the evidence is obvious, because like you said, I think that's important for practical, but I think it's kind of good to center on what calling looks like since we're not just necessarily talking about work. Yeah. So when Jesus talked about his own calling, there's actually a really cool story. It's Luke chapter four, verses 17 through 20. He talks about basically what his job is. Like, what is he there to do? We'd always think, yeah, Jesus, he's the Christ. He's here to save. Yes. But he breaks it down for us. And there's five things. And it's a fivefold manifested calling. The first thing he says he's here to do is to proclaim the good news to the poor. The second thing he says is to proclaim liberty to captives. The third is to bring recovery of sight to the blind. The fourth is to liberate those who are oppressed. And the five is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All five of those things are things in which we as Christians, when we talk about bringing the kingdom forward, or we talk about what does it mean to be a Christian in the workplace or do work that's missionally minded, they're all going to look like a blend of these five things. Some of, we're going to identify with one of them more than others. That's the way God made us. But that's our mission is the same as Jesus's, which is to be a light, right? So in my own life, I can think of an example here recently that was really cool. So the thing that the Lord has constantly placed me in a position to do is to help refactor businesses. You can think of me as like a chiropractor for businesses. When they get a little bent or twisted out of shape, I come in and I help them readjust. And I secretly always have a mission to point them towards the good, which is, I think, which is biblical. That's kind of a, a, an unpacking for another conversation. I think. But I was in uh, the room, uh, I was about to be in the room with a CEO and uh, a consultant, and they had for about a month planned on doing a workshop where basically they wanted to know what were the hidden things that were making the business break. And they'd asked for my specific advice on what they I thought that was. Now, I could easily have linked on my business acumen on 
my experience or just e-myth type strategy, right? And tried to just kind of give a suggestion that I think was good business tactics based off of just my my intuition or, or something else that I saw. But my habit in these types of situations is to kind of like Daniel, I like to go into a secret place and I like to pray about whether or not the Lord has something specific for where, whatever that work problem is, that business problem is. And so this time I did, I said, Lord, I said, I know exactly how to approach this. I got a couple ideas about what this would look like, but I want to know, do you have a specific thing in mind for how this business should adjust? Do you have an opinion about this basically? And I just put it before him and pretty quickly, I got a very strong impression and it was really, really interesting because I didn't know anything really about the context. And it was that their executives were basically doing what I'll call tactical work, meaning they were digging ditches, they were rowing boats and not planning a course. And if you know anything about just first off, how expensive that is to have people like that rowing and not directing, then you know that that's a problem. Plus, it's just a split. It's almost like having a split personality. You can't both hold a compass and row a boat at the same time. They're both good things, but you can't do both equally in the same moment. And so there was that basic concept. You can think of it as like working in the business versus on the business. But then there was a lot more too. And so after I'd kind of meditated on that, I wrote it all down, my time to go speak. I tell them all this. And I tell you, Joe, their mouths could have hit the floor. This consultant particularly, because he's kind of a polished guy and he really has a strong sense of, of where uh, he thinks things could go. And we ended up, what should have been like a 30 minute conversation turned into like an hour and a half. So that was really, really cool because I, I knew it, it hit them because they, they couldn't believe that I understood what they were trying to articulate so strongly without any context. So then about an hour later, the CEO comes and finds me. I'm in a room. He sits down and he stares at the wall across from me and just starts shaking his head. And I'm like, what is he doing? He just starts shaking his head <laughs> and he kind of looks at me and starts puts his head down and he goes, how did you do that? He goes, how did you know that like, this is what we were struggling with? He's like, this has always been the problem. He's like, I just don't understand how you, how you knew all of this. And well, I, I told him, I'll tell you how I know. I said, there's a lot of things I could have done. What I did is I went to my God in prayer. And this is what I felt like he wanted to show you about the business. And then that gave me an opportunity and a platform to just kind of minister. And I think the guy's a God-fearing person, but I just, I didn't know him in that context. And so anyway, you look at what a calling is and a calling is always bringing people to a greater revelation of who God is in everything that we do. It's, it's taking the blinders off. And so often in a work environment, what we're really doing is we're trying to hit a goal or push something or achieve something. And those aren't necessarily wrong, but they don't reveal Jesus. And that's what a calling ultimately does. It takes the things that look like a job assignment, like a consulting exercise, like a business problem, and they reveal Jesus. That's what a calling ultimately does. Awesome. So in that situation specifically, I like how it articulates the way that you being a Christian in business, you didn't have to go in there wearing a fish necklace. You didn't have to have a, a plaque in your office, but just you operating in your calling and you're naturally 
your relationship that you have with the Lord, you going to him, utilizing him within that area of your life, not shutting or siloing that area off from your life, gave you an opportunity then to share and to have that type of a conversation. So in a way, it made you be able to, for lack of a better word at the moment, evangelize in a sense without having to, to try. Yeah. You know, yeah. you were able to operate in your, your giftings and you were able to bring the kingdom into that situation without putting on any Christianese. So that's I, right. I, I like how you operating in your calling simplified yes. things. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, so that, I, I love the way you put that. So like to go back to the, the big five again, you think about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Well, what do we know about God? Well, he has extended forgiveness to us. He is for us. The good news is here. It is present. Christ has come and he has extended his hands to us to meet the Father. All we have to do is lean into that. That can be evidence in so many different ways. Look at liberating those who are oppressed. People are oppressed at the workplace. You ever walked into a workplace? I don't care what your culture is. Someone there is in a is in a rock and a hard place and and, and they need some help. We're covering the side of the blind. People are blinded. Like you can go on and on and on and on. Whatever you wherever you find yourself during the day, there's opportunity through what God has given you to do to manifest a calling. Our mistake is that what we talked about earlier, calling is first and foremost in Christ. You got to be in the vine. You got to abide. It's for relationship. You are called in Christ and to Christ for Christ, right? Yeah. And then lastly, unto good works. And oftentimes what we do is we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the good works? And we're like, <laughs> what, what's, we're like what's the hustle? What's my holy hustle? And that has the, can almost be more dangerous because what we do is we try and fit our work or the, the, the work we'd want to do or the job we want to have or the business we want to, business outcomes we want to achieve. And what we do is instead say, let's, let's put a bumper sticker on this and then at least uh, we'll figure it out. And what happens is that's draining. That's super, super draining. And if you try and do that for too long, especially in like a, in a secular workplace, what's going to happen is you're going to start cracking at the seams a little bit. And you're going to think, well, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to show Christ. Well, uh, people don't need you to be a good person or to even show Christ. They need you to actually be who God has made you to be. Uh, and they will, if you're doing that, if you're abiding, then people are going to be attracted to it. You can't hide a light. Yeah, I, I love how also in that it's not about the other person. Because mm -hmm. I feel like it, in that example and what you're, you're sharing, a lot of times we feel like we need to get people saved. We need mm -hmm. to get people healed. We need to X, Y, and Z that we consider our calling. Like yeah. you're talking about, I need to perform this. Mm -hmm. And the person sitting across from you sometimes can become the thing that's blocking you yes. from getting to your calling. Yes. Instead of with the framework that you're setting up, it's focus on your relationship with God. Yes. Operating in the natural gifts that he's given you. That's right. Loving others, which comes out as serving them, empowering them, praying for them. Yes. And through those things, when your motives are to love others and love God, then naturally other people are going to get blessed. Those opportunities are come and your calling is going to manifest itself. I, I just love that it, it takes away some of that, I don't know if manipulation is yeah. the right word no, it's that totally we sometimes right. operate in, yeah. knowingly or not, to where we our intentions might be good, that we want people to know Jesus. Right. But 
we make it about that and feel like sometimes we have to manipulate them or the situation. Yeah. No, I love the way you put that because it's it's absolutely true. I remember a few years ago, this is about as quintessential as you can get. I had uh, I was going into a meeting. Uh, I was I had a new job and I had a, a Christian boss. And the boss, we were losing an account. I was like, it was like my first month there. And I didn't, I've never met the client before. And he's like, just come along for the ride here. We're going to, we're going to go save this account because they were ready to, they were ready to, to pull the plug. And they were paying us a retainer of a, it was a few thousand dollars a month. So we drive there and he goes, we get there to their parking lot before we go. And, it, and he goes, you know what? He goes, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I said, what are you going to pray? He said, I'm going to pray just for this account. And just, I don't know what we're going to get into when we get in there. And there was also an interesting part of the conversation. There was a person there who was an atheist. One of our team members was an atheist. She didn't drive with us. And he goes, you know, Lord, he's like, I just pray that that you would help us be good ministers and good advocates for you while we're there. I pray that you would uh, help me to be a good witness and that you would also just through all this, like show us that, uh, show our friend, our colleague that you're real and that you're not fake and that you would just take the blinders off of them. And in the moment, I was like, man, this is kind of gutsy. Okay, I get it. And he goes, he fits, sums up the prayer and he goes, you know what? I am, uh, I'm not going to do the normal like account recovery thing. He's like, I'm just going to witness to them. He's like, I know that's bold. I know that's gutsy. He's like, I'm just going to tell them about Jesus and tell them about my ministry and, and everything else. So you can probably see where this is going. So we're in there and we were with C-level folks and board members and managing directors, all that type of stuff. It was actually a pretty big, pretty big crowd. And he proceeds to witness for about 45 minutes, talks about personal stories of healing, talks about how who God was in his whole life and goes on and on and on. And you would think, wow, this guy's a super Christian. He finishes, opens up the floor for questions. And the very first question out of the, the key stakeholder was, thank you so much. Can you tell us how you're going to fix our analytics tracking for the call campaign that you know we paid you for? Just switches instantly. Doesn't care. And the meeting went down the hill very quickly. After that, we lost the client like that week or the next day, something very like in a very short time frame. And that was that was the end of it. And on the surface level, you think, my gosh, like this guy's like they're operating from faith. They're doing all all the right things. The problem was they we sidestep what, what was important, which was actually allowing God through us to bring kingdom come. Uh, it was actually selfish because there was one, there was a contractual obligation there that we weren't meeting. And then two, we assumed that that wasn't important and it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes we think that we have to go straight for the jugular with this stuff and we don't. What we need to do is actually let Christ live through us, let God live through us. And I can't imagine, like, I just wish that if you would have thought about what could have happened from a position of revelation, what would have happened differently that would have allowed us to then have a tie-in to, all right, this is what God is in people's lives. And this is what God does in business and all around the world, if you're aware of it. And what that reminds me of when you share it, it's good motivations when you take in too far. In the sense, the, the story that comes to mind is Peter. Mm. I felt like that was a very Peter pre- Pentecost moment. Yes. So Peter's intentions and motives are good, but he ends up slicing someone's ear off. And then Jesus has to come in and yeah. 
fix that situation as well as teach in that situation. Yeah. So he doesn't, it's not always bad in the sense of your, your motives. It's, it's good that you're excited for the Lord and to do things for the kingdom. But I think I would say in that situation, looking back, it would probably be good to say, this is what's coming on my heart is to witness, right. but then take that back to your relationship to the Lord and say, okay, God, what do you want to tell me about this? Yes. Because I, I think that's what we do a lot of times, if I'm honest in my own life. Yeah. I hear a little bit and I get excited and I'm like, I got this. Right yeah. Here. Yeah. No, it's so I, I remember one of the first times the Lord did this, he, he did it kind of publicly f- for me in, in my own life. And he taught me that he could even kind of work this way. I was in lock with, with, a, with a client I was working on at the time years ago. It was a technical project and they wanted it to be implemented a certain way. And it was basically impossible to implement it that way. And I made one suggestion and they're like, no, not going to work. Second suggestion, nope, not that going to work. Three, four, multiple suggestions. No, I want it exactly this way, implemented technically this way for this outcome with them not having any kind of context for build a car but I want it to run off of seven up. Well, sir, well, find a way. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we're going back on this, back and forth on this, and it's starting to actually get a little heated. And because there's just, it's just reality or so I think, and I don't know what to do. And so what I start doing, I'm talking to him. I do what I, I call now active listening, where I talk and I, and I try to pray internally at the same time. I don't want to just get some massive download, but I try to practice it. Well, I'm, I'm doing this, one of the first times I'm doing this, and immediately I see in my head a technical way of implementing what he's talking about with code in a way that I've never thought about before. And I'm like, that's, that's interesting. I wonder what that would work. It was basically practical revelation. If you know anything about me, my perspective <laughs> is if you can't put a wrench to revelation, then it's hyperbole. It's sensational. Don't trust it a whole lot. You got to be able to put a wrench to what God (laughs) has told you. Otherwise, I don't know what it's good for, even if that's just internal. So this was something actionable that I knew I felt like it came from an outcome of prayer from God himself. So I I I stopped the guy, I slow him down. And I said, just, hey, pump the brakes for a second. I think I I got the solution. And he goes, what? I said, yeah, I'll be honest. I think God gave me the solution. I just said it. (laughs) And he goes, "Uh, okay. I was like, yeah. I said, you know what? I said, let me just go try it. I'll come back later. I said, if it doesn't work, we can talk about it again. But I think I got the answer. I kid you not. This was like a matrix level chizitsu code move. (laughs) It split hairs on how technical implementation worked. And it shouldn't have worked, but it did work. And it was one of the better features for the thing that we were building. And it was a crack up because you think about, all right, well, what kind of things does God respond to? Well, missions, God responds to missions. He got, he responds in worship services. Does he respond in a technical implementation of code in a certain scenario for a certain person at a certain time? Yes. The answer is yes. And he does it unto the good of making, of glorifying his own name. And so those opportunities, when we're operating from a position of calling, can be regular. It can be normal. That's what we call doing good work. So I want to ask you, because I want to make sure we, we get to, to this and some more practicals for those listening. So you talk about in your book, you encourage people to awaken to the purpose of their work. What would you say for those who are out there working to pay the bills, 
They feel like they've settled for a job. They don't know how to connect their faith to their work. Or maybe they're a business owner and they're not sure how to bring their faith into their business. What do you say to that person? So first off, I'd just say my heart goes out to them. I've been in that position. I've been in that position more than once. I think it's while we are, are while we struggle with laying our flesh down and working with the world we work in, that's always going to be present. And so first off, I just want to empathize with it. And it happens to me too. Uh, the second thing I'd say is that God just cares very deeply for you and about and about what you do. I get a lot of hope, actually. This is fascinating in the story of Adam. So you look at Adam and you go through the whole creation story. When God creates Adam, the very first thing he asks him to do, the very first thing is not build a house, not like go get your 401k in order because I'm going to get a wife for you. It's, <laughs> it's what does he ask Adam to do? He asks him to name the animals. And you're like, why? Out of everything that you could do, why is that important? Well, God is showing Adam the relationship between being created, having a name, having an identity and purpose. Before you go to anything else, before you get connected, before you go about any other work, it's something that you have to get deep in your soul, deep in your system, is that God has created you and called you by name unto something onto something. You don't exist outside of outside of that relationship. And so often we forgo that in our work, if only because we get kind of stuck in kind of the crux of, of wanting to accomplish something, even if it's even if those are those are good good ends. But calling work kind of play off each other. So if you think of like two gears and like a gear belt kind of situation, like as you work in lockstep with God, it has an effect on your calling. Your calling begins to move and you begin to, to get in rhythm with that. And then as your calling begins to move, it begins to have an effect on your work. And those two begin to get in rhythm together and begin to produce good things. But if we're not kind of leaning into the reality that all this is coming from relationship, then work becomes a very isolating thing. And we begin to feel very lost in what we do or begin to feel like, nothing I do is important. Or we go to the other end of the spectrum, which is escapism, which is we actually live for the weekends or we live for a kind of anti-rest, which is watching too much TV, playing games, doing doing things because what we actually want to do is escape this thing that we've created for ourselves, which is a hamster wheel we can't get off of. It's not producing anything good. It's interesting because I feel like that's one of those, in a lot of ways, it's the less intuitive thing to focus on. Because if you're feeling like you're in a rut, you don't have purpose, I know me at least, I feel like I need to do something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I need to make a change in my situation. Mm -hmm. But if I hear you correctly, you need to focus on the relationship with God and cultivating, whether that's hearing his voice, whether that's pushing yourself to step out in faith, but finding that purpose in him, mm -hmm. not necessarily starting off in the workplace. Yeah, no, I think that's actually really, really accurate. Yeah, you know, I can remember back to the, when I first started my career out, I was doing graphic design and graphic design is cool. Like I enjoyed it at the time. I was pretty good at it. I always knew that wasn't what I was supposed to do. Yeah. But I found some kind of like enjoyment in it. And I could tell you tons of stories of me laying that down for what I thought was missional work and God bringing it back. But so oftentimes we think like the ultimate manifestation of our calling is the ultimate manifestation of some title or some type of work. 
if I just get the shovel with the right handle, then I'll know I'll be doing the the right thing. And that's not really, really the way that it works. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot more, a lot more restful than that. So, Pierce, I want to ask: Can you break down for me what what is the difference between purpose and calling? I love that question. I, I think it's I think it's super super important. And these are my definitions, but I think they're really helpful. I think they put handlebars on the bike, so to speak, because as if you grow up in the church, sometimes it's kind of hard to know how to navigate some of this stuff. So. I like to break things into three different categories and to kind of sort the mail, so to speak. You've got calling, you've got purpose, and then you've got fulfillment. Purpose, my purpose in life is to know and to be known by the Father. That's it. If you don't, if you don't know God, if you don't know him through Christ, then your whole life is going to be felt, is going to be spent pursuing, trying to find that purpose. Ultimately, that's your purpose in life. And that purpose can be fully known without any work of any special kind, right? That's just that that's just you're made to know God. That's your purpose. And and that in and of itself is good. And most most of the time when in kind of church language, when we talk about, well, you're not supposed to work for your relationship with God or your your call just to know God or whatever, whatever. Most of the time when people talk like that, what they're talking about is your purpose. But Billy Graham still had to write sermons and still had to pay the bills. Like there's a, like there's a whole. You look at David building up Israel, everything else. There's there's work that's also in relationship that has nothing to do with your purpose in life. Right. But that's your purpose. Fulfillment is how fulfilled am I in my purpose? Which oftentimes when we don't feel like something is very particularly fulfilling whatever it is, whether that's work, whether that's relationships, whether that's a hobby, whether that's something I'm doing in my life, I don't feel fulfilled because I've somehow segregated it from my purpose, which is to know and to know the father. So anything good in this life comes from connecting it back to God himself. Right. And so there are pockets in everyone's life where we haven't necessarily let God into them. And those areas aren't very fulfilling. And that's why. And so in order to find fulfillment in those things, you need to bring your ultimate relationship, your ultimate purpose into them. Calling is, like we've said before, is in Christ or Christ unto good works. And that is the outpouring of knowing that purpose in life. Awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I feel like it's almost kind of like a waterfall. Yes. Sort of the way as one fills up, it flows into the other. Yes. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One does flow into the other very, very naturally. But it all, it all starts with your relationship, knowing your, that beginning step, you and the Father. Yes. And that would be a challenge, I'd say, to anyone who's listening where they go and they say, X doesn't, isn't very fulfilling right now. Well, tell that to God. He knows. He knows because he's not very present in it, probably. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and say, hey, listen, I don't feel very fulfilled in this. I would love to bring you into it. And he may say, hey, you know what? It's not fulfilling because I'm not in it and it's really not a good fit for me. Let's go over here and look at this. And he'll he'll say, quit rowing your boat that direction. And other times he'll say, oh man, I'm so glad you brought me into this. Like, let's do this. And you are your kid uh, with an endless beach building sand castles, and you're just creating, and that's a great, great thing. So that that's a that's a personal challenge uh, that I think is really, really helpful because it it kills the 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 lack of contentment problem that so many of us struggle with. I feel like that could be a whole episode in and of itself is bringing your mess to God 
and how to have that open relationship with him in that. Totally. Oh yeah, absolutely. It could be. We should talk on that. <laughs> we'll put that on the list. So to bring it back to calling, tell me about those people out there who feel like they aren't sure what their calling is, mm-hmm. or maybe they just don't feel called at all. Mm-hmm. How do they go about finding their calling, identifying that? What do you say to them? So the good news is, is that you do have a calling and that you are called by God. From the moment you've been saved, you've stepped into calling. Oftentimes we hope for a mountaintop moment wherein we kind of hope that if I can just get to that mountaintop, God will zap me, give me some commandments, and the rest of it will be riding off into the sunset. And then we wait for that mountaintop moment. And it never happens. And then we see other people living from their calling and we think, oh, they must have had a mountaintop moment. I'm either in sin or God hasn't chosen me or, or I haven't quite figured out the Pandora's box of, of what this is. That's not true. You're called right now. If you're in Christ, you're called. That's, that's biblical. That's, that's, that's a straight up definition. The difference between, if you look, think about in your own mind's eye, someone that you feel like is really living from their calling and you ask yourself, how did they get to that point where they're just manifesting whatever that is in such a powerful way? It's not the position or the reality of calling, because it's true for both of you. It's the stewardship. It's the leaning into it over time. And that's it. So oftentimes we think that like calling is for, I say is like a stages or sages. It's for people <laughs> who are like speaking and they're, they're really high up some ways and they're known, they're an influencer or they're a sage or someone who's really wise or really smart and people come to them in order to learn. And that's just not true. Those who you respect, who have lived something out, have done it for time and they've done it consistently. And that means, you know, also being intimate with your, with the father God and, and living in it from a long period of time. And there's just a natural outcome from that. You think of uh, to use kind of a, a purely physical example, you think of like, oh gosh, who is that? I watched this great documentary on a runner here. Usain Bolt? Uh, uh, yeah, Usain Bolt. He's Texas accent coming on. Are you saying? Uh, yeah. So like you look at that guy's life and man, it has taken him years and years, decades to get his place in the world. Yeah. Does he have a natural gifting? We could talk about that. Sure. Does he have like a, a propensity for it? Sure, but that doesn't mean anything. And he wouldn't even say that means anything when you look at the way he lives his life. The guy like doesn't drink. He has an extremely strict like eating schedule. It showed him like just leaving parties because it's like it's bedtime for him. He he stewarded something for a very long period of time. And that's like, he went to go achieve a goal. Your calling will outlive the Olympics. Trust me. <laughs> but you look at like, just as a purely physical example, he's done it consistently and he's done the right things for like a long time. Someone who is really kind of operating in something that we we find as as aspirational has been doing it in relationship in intimacy uh and innovation for a long time. That's so good. I feel like that's one of those practicals that you can take right now and apply it. Like you see discipline in the Bible and whether it's I'm going to do something small consistently, whether that's, I'm going to bring my mess to God, whether that's, I'm going to ask him a question, like that's, that's a great tangible that it's like, okay, how do I start? What do I do? It's find those little ways of consistently bringing God into X, Y, Z. Absolutely. So for the Christian, intimacy and innovation are linked. You are not going to get revelation on how to accomplish something. 
You are not going to get some new groundbreaking way for doing something that is not an outcome of intimacy with God. The reason for that is because the way the kingdom works is opposite of the way the world works. We, When we look at innovators in the world, what they've done is they have said, hey, in some way, like I'm going to hold this goal above everything. And then they innovate. The kingdom is interested in the goodness of God coming to earth, period. Now, sometimes it'll look like really great things. You look at like David, not sorry, not David, Daniel and some of the dreams that he got. Or you look at Joseph and he gets like a a dream and a revelation for how to steward uh, a drought over long periods of time. You get revelation and and innovation on how to innovate on something as an outcome of of relationship. And you can't really sidestep it because if you sidestep it, then you won't, it won't glorify God in any way, which has a direct impact on the people around you. Yeah, that's so good. And and it's, it's simple. And and that's one thing I, I would encourage everyone who's listening and kind of rolling this over and, and, and chewing on this, as, as I like to say, is start simple. All of this can get very overwhelming, but just start simple. Ask yourself, hey, what's one area that I can start to ask God one question consistently about? An example, my wife in college, I hope, I think she'd be fine with me sharing this. The way that she would hear God's voice the most is every day in her journal, she would ask God a specific question. And it would be the same question. And every day she would ask that same question. And in her journal, she would just, you might say, freeform write. Just whatever she was hearing, she'd write it down. She didn't try to process it. She didn't try to judge it. She would just write it down. And she'd do that over days and days, sometimes weeks and weeks, asking the same question, just freeform, write it there, set it, and not even think about it. Then, after an amount of time, she would go back and read each of those those entries, and she would see the consistencies that were there, those those messages that kept coming back up. And more times than not, she would see that that was what God was speaking to her in that season. And so that was just one simple way that she would take one question of something she was wanting to hear God's voice in. And so I would, to apply this to to calling, if, if you're sitting there and you're feeling frustrated with the place that you're at at life and not feeling like you either know what your calling is or that you're manifesting your calling, I would say start with one simple question. Ask God, even if it's just asking him, what's one thing that I can do for and with you to start to answer this, to see this change in my life? So I like your, your story, and, and I hope that's one practical way that we can start to, to manifest the, the calling, so to say. I love that, Joe. Oh, man, thank you so much for sharing that story. I love the question. That's great. Well, Pierce, are there any last thoughts before we wrap up? Anything that you wanted to share? about calling that you haven't got to yet? Man, after that story, after that question, I don't know that there that there really is. I guess I'll leave our listeners with a story that I think is applicable. Years ago, I was on a canoe trip. I was going down the, the Brazos River in Texas. It's like basically the, the, the longest free-flowing river in the state. And we were going for a few days and it was a lot of fun. You know, my friends and I, we explored, we waded in the water, we jumped off cliffs, we kind of observed wildlife. And every once in a while, we'd dock the canoes and we'd try and like go explore the bank side or just kind of go out in the woods. And every time we did that, the canoe, if we weren't careful, we'd, have, we'd lose our canoe because the, the, the river would kind of pull the canoe back off the bank and it'd start headed in the direction that, that the river wanted to go. 
And oftentimes, if, if you kind of been a Christian for a long time, or you've, you've tried to find this, this idea, figure out this idea of calling a purpose for a long time, you wonder if your canoe is banked, if you're not going to kind of get to the destination or, or the hope that find the direction that you're supposed to go. The good news is that in Christ, the river is always headed one direction and the Holy Spirit is going to pull you uh, in the direction of him. And, and you are not the river. He's the river and he's going to pull you forward and you can trust in that. And anytime you think you've banked, even to kind of go explore, do your own thing, eventually the season's going to shift and he's going to try and pull you back into the river. And that's really good news. That's really good news. Uh, you're in the vine, you're in Christ, and uh, he will pull you to himself. That's great. I, I hope that resonates with everyone who's listening. Keep it simple. Keep your faith. You're amazing. And uh, please, if you have more questions, shoot them to us in the comments. Uh, get Pierce's book on calling if you want to go deeper on this specific subject. And we will see you all next week where we have another amazing conversation. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend. It would help us out tremendously. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of Pierce's new book, Calling, How to Partner with God in Any Business with Any Boss at Any Place in Life, then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.